Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the fifth and final in our series on the five covenants of baptism. Strive for justice and peace on earth. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Deacon Bonnie, the facilitator of our Lenten series. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so this particular strive for justice and peace on all earth reminds me of an old Steve Martin SNL bit where it was Christmas time and he was going to wish for peace on earth. And then it rapidly breaks down into him wanting power over his enemies and all these other things. And then, of course, he gets back to, but really, we just want peace on earth. My point being, this sounds incredibly overwhelming. Where do you even start? Where does your heart take you? You know, there's that quote of your great desire and the world's great need in that sweet spot. I'm not summarizing the quote well. Yeah, you are. (laughs) It's from Frederick Buechner. Thank you. That sweet spot is where God's calling you. So working for peace and justice in all the earth for people you don't care about, places that don't matter to you, that's not going to help them and it's not going to be a sustained approach for you. So where is your heart nudging you? It can be incredibly specific or it can be global, but in the end, it all becomes relational. And so it starts where you have relationships. And those relationships will always pull you deeper into finding ways forward for justice or for peace. I want to play with that word peace for just a moment. When we talk about peace in faith, I think there are moments where we think that peace is just the absence of violence. But peace, especially if you look at the Hebrew word shalom, it means so much more than that. It is vibrance and fullness and wellness and goodness and openness and all the things. It's not just an absence of something. It is the presence of many things. Well, that just kind of makes it sound harder now. I know, I know. But then when we're striving for these things, when we're striving for that wholeness and that fullness, we're not just striving for some vague idea of a lack of violence or a lack of bad things. We're striving for something. So detente is not good enough. (laughs) It's not. Okay. This is about finding those places where you can pull your heart and find the hope and the joy. So my next question is technically local versus global. And I think I know where you're going to go with this. So I'm going to let you start and then I will get more specific into what I mean by that. It's really what opportunities are open to you and who are you in relationship with, especially when you talk about living out the covenants, not being performative, you know, that's been a theme in our conversations, is that these aren't a checklist. These aren't, how will I prove myself? This is an invitation to take up the life of Jesus. And so these covenants are transformational, not transactional. And so, yes, I could write a check to the shelter up the street, or I could write a check to a global organization And either of those may have the same amount of impact in my life. But we're kind of asking to go beyond that transactional, capitalistic, charitable approach of I earn money and then I give some to those less fortunate and move into we are all deeply connected and related. And my existence 
is bound up in yours. And that is essentially relational. And so if you have relationships that bring you into the capacity to have a global impact for peace and justice, how wonderful, what amazing opportunity. And if that means I sit with my local PTA and try to find ways to be a more equitable, a more intentional, a more relational, a more justice-oriented group of people, then that's where the relationships take me to do the work. Okay, so I guess what my question is leading towards is you can see injustice all over this world, and it seems a little budinsky to assume that you know what is best for other countries, cultures, whatever, even if you recognize the injustice that's going on, how do you reconcile helping or not helping those people when you're looking at a covenant like this? It has to start with that relationship, with that authentic relationship. You are butting in if you don't have relationship with someone and you step in and say, well, what you really need is to do X, Y, Z. That absolutely is butting in. And that is not authentic engagement. That is not solidarity. That is probably more about you than it is about them, which is not the kind of thing that Jesus shows us is a pathway forward to sustainable peace and justice in our world. And so you have to start with that relationship. You have to start with where your heart is. You have to start building that relationship and hearing what it is that is the pathway forward and in relationship and community you are being called to create as community. And that is far from what we normally see from our political structures, from many communities, even from a lot of religious organizations. We tend to be very good at butting in and telling people what we think they need. But we also recognize, and I will say especially in North American Christianity, because our foundation was built on that. Mm -hmm. And I've talked about that on the podcast a lot before, that our foundation was built on thinking that we as Christians knew what was right for the people who were indigenous to this country and to this world, right? So it's a really hard habit to break. But the thing is, is that that's not who Jesus was. That's who Christopher Columbus was. That's who Father Pane was. That's not who Jesus was. And so we are trying very hard to look towards the life of Christ to show us how it is that we do this in authentic relationship. Deacon Bonnie, when you talked to Phyllis, why did you choose her for this particular covenant? I chose Phyllis uh, to talk to about this work for peace and justice in all of the earth because I wanted to know more of her story. Phyllis is someone whom I have worshipped alongside for well over a decade And I know that she's been engaged particularly with justice in the Holy Land and then also with eco-justice. I would say that in the last five years, Phyllis has discovered intersectionality in justice. That's why she's getting into eco-justice now is because of the intersectionality with Palestine. The class that we had with the two women who came in and she discovered intersectionality and it vastly changed her approach. Excellent. What I knew about Phyllis was her work for uh, Justice in the Holy Land and her emerging work with environmental justice. 
And I wanted to know more about that passion, about how she got there. Were there people in her own life who had helped form and inspire and inform that? Were there experiences that she had? Was there a particular call? So how has this covenant spoken to her? Because I could see that she was someone who was striving to fulfill it. Excellent. And Phyllis is one of the founding members of our social justice coalition here at Central, which we've had a strong social justice lean on the ministry of Central for a very long time. And several years ago, we kind of gathered all the different groups that had passions like Phyllis's group working very much for justice in the Holy Land and our care for creation group and our group of folks who work with the houseless and finding food and resources for people and recognizing the intersectionality of all of their ministries and pulling them together into one coalition. And Phyllis has a deep heart and a passion that her faith comes to life and her faith is given breath and breadth, if that can come across on the radio there, whenever she begins to kind of dig into this justice work. It's very beautiful. That's true. It comes across in the video very much. So when you're looking at this global, local justice and peace, there are going to be certain factions who want things to stay exactly how they are. How do you deal with those who don't actually want change and want peace? I think back to our episode on having conversations, hard conversations. Mm Mm-hmm. We had that conversation about just finding the way to be that consistent dripping, that consistent drop of water. One of the primary metaphors in our scripture for justice is that it will flow like a river, that the living waters of justice will flow like a mighty river. But mighty rivers begin as small little creeks and tributaries and springs, and they gather and they grow, and they can carve out entire canyons in the world. But it takes a slow, steady consistency of moving and finding your way towards it. And I think that that is the long, hard work of being a justice seeker, of being someone who is trying to live that life. And it's super hard. And I think I look to people like Phyllis who've been doing this for decades and look to see how do you find that encouragement and that strength to keep being that steady, slow drip that will reshape the world. And I think of someone like my friend, Pastor Megan in San Francisco, who's ready to like blow up the dams and just let the water rush because they're so tired of waiting for justice in a lot of areas. And it's somewhere in between finding that way to get there over time. And I think it's also super critical to keep reminding each other what it is that we're seeking and looking for in that justice. Because if we're being a slow, steady drip towards it, we need to keep our eye on the vision and imagination and remember why we're doing it. Because it can be really exhausting work. As far as being that slow, steady drip, I think our faith is very important for the endurance it takes to work for peace and justice. That sense that in times of injustice, there is an immediacy and need for response, but to know that overall, you know, we believe in a God who created order out of chaos, and we believe in a Christ as the reconciler who longs to and works to draw us back into that order. 
that that is our innate design, is this kingdom vision of the world that we were built for. And so when it feels like it's all falling apart because we have no justice and therefore we have no peace, there are larger factors at work. There is a loving God who created us for relationships that look exactly like peace and justice. And so as we strive for that, we are entering into the work of Christ the Reconciler. And we don't need to be the ones who began it, and we may not be the ones who finish it, but for the part that we can play, we can give our whole heart knowing that it will be made more by a God who is much bigger than we are. What do you have to say to the people who are the slow drip versus the smash the patriarchy? How do you reconcile? How do you help them see a path forward? Because I even see that in my son, the way he doom scrolls and wants all of the change to happen all at once, because of course, it's going to help the world as a whole. But that's not necessarily how things work. Thank goodness for that tension. I feel like the tension is where the Holy Spirit lives. You know, tension is that potential for activation. So if there weren't poles to stretch that band across, we would never move. And those of us who are more comfortable as slow and steady drips would take forever. (laughs) And those who want to blow it all up would sacrifice the good in order to destroy the, the bad. And so in that tension, the spirit lives. And we go there and we meet her and we listen for her whisper about the steps forward. So then another aspect of all of this are the gray areas. For what is justice for some is injustice for others. And how do you navigate those waters if you're going to try to bring justice and peace to all the earth? I think that there are ways and places and times to say that what is justice for all feels like injustice to others because it is change and because it is different, but it is not actually injustice. In the same way that if I were to suddenly reallocate what I own and what I have to someone else, it might feel like an injustice to me because I'm losing some of what I own, but actually it is quite just. It is good that I not have more than I need and that someone who does not have enough gets what it is that they need. There's a beautiful book called Manna and Mercy by a theologian named Dan Erlander. And in it, he's describing what the kingdom of God will be. And one of the descriptions of that is that everyone will have what they need and no one will have too much. That there is a burden in having too much that is on our souls that is unjust and no one will have too little, that is unjust. But to level that can feel like something hard is happening. So I struggle with that idea that what is justice for one is an injustice for another. I think that if it is justice, it is justice. It can feel real uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And it can be really hard to give up privilege and to give up the things that keep us comfortable to create justice for a community. But if we can find our way through that pinch point, right? Maybe I'm the one who's receiving the slow drip and is getting reformed and carved so that someone else might be free of this tight constraint that has bound them. In the end, we become that kingdom of God, that place, that way of being where there is joy where there is fullness. And 
that's where we're headed to. So what I have to say is, is it really injustice or is it just uncomfortable? I think that that sense that my my justice could be injustice for you comes from seeing us as separate. So as we continue to examine our Western philosophy of the individual above and over all else, and we lose the collective, we fail to see that injustice to you is injustice to me, and that we are bound up in this together, that unjust systems harm all. Once you take away the winner and loser aspect, so yes, an unjust system might lead to me having great wealth, whereas a just system may actually lead to not dooming the planet and leaving many without the basic needs. But I am not the full person God made me to be if my neighbor is suffering and I am not. We are bound up in this together in the sense that profiting from an unjust system is something I actually have a right to, is a very Western philosophy of the individual. And it it really harms us all. I would agree. It seems like so many people's arguments are that things like peace and justice are based on concepts of pie, literal pie, where there's just not enough for everybody, which is not really the way it works, at least not in the Bible. There's manna for all. Well, and if you look at kingdom economies that are based on things like jubilee and forgiveness, and a lot of that is around capping how unjust something can be. It's looking at the human tendency to exercise power for domination and not for liberation. And so, you know, that's why there was a seven-year cap. Okay, if you're going to dominate instead of liberate, we're going to put an end finally at seven years and you have to give it back. Mm -hmm. You can't go on for generations and generations using power to harm others and to set up strata and self-elevate. That's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is self-emptying, not the self-elevation. Excellent. Okay, this is going to lead me to my last question. Give us a starting place. What is some action or something that we can do or take or start a path to help us live with this covenant of striving for justice and peace? Because as I said at the beginning, and I still feel this way, it's pretty overwhelming. Get into relationship with someone who is not you. Okay. Who is not your team. So if that self-elevation is, I will take care of me and my own. I know myself and my family or myself and those that I'm in corporate relationship with, and we work together with one set of values for success, find ways to be in relationship that expand, that open your eyes to the experience of others, that open your heart to the drivers in other people's lives. That is the beginning of peace and justice is, again, that stepping aside from centering the self and creating a path for deep relationship with the neighbor. There's nothing better that I could add to that. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda and Deacon Bonnie, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about striving for justice and peace on earth. I look forward to sitting down, hopefully with both of you again, sometime in the future. And a special gratitude to Deacon Bonnie for having joined us for these five weeks, for taking your time and the risk to add your voice to these podcasts. It has been an absolute delight. And even though it is intimidating, I hope and pray we get to have you back again so that we can enjoy your wisdom and your spirit. Thank you, Deacon, for being a part of this. Absolutely. I agree. Thank you for making a space. 
And as we go forward, you are, of course, welcome and encouraged to come and join us as we conclude our journey through Lent. We gather on Sunday mornings at 1015 via Zoom and on Facebook. We are also gathering on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for conversations about these covenants and how we live them in our lives. You are welcome to join us if you are still in the month of March of 2021 when you are listening to this. Feel free to reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org and we'll get you all connected. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.